Good morning, good morning, good morning, River City Church. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you're having an amazing new year. I am excited to be with you today. I know that for many of you, um, you you're going to be watching this during the week. We're doing it at a little bit of a different time in our week. We just had a Zoom group this morning. Um, the second week we haven't met in person, but we decided to do a Zoom Bible study. We actually did the practice of Lectio Divina, which is my favorite way to study Scripture in community, and I very much enjoyed it. We did it on Psalm 84, and my group, my breakout group was great. I hope yours was as well if you got to do that. If not, then this is uh, a teaching on that passage this week, which um, I was excited to do. Originally, I wasn't going to do it, but I was excited to share and then felt um, a desire to just encourage the body, um, the overall body at River City in general for this week, just because of the extenuating circumstances. And I know many of our staff, if you haven't heard, have been traveling through COVID and um, quarantining and trying to get better and replenish and refresh. And so please continue to pray for all of our staff in this new year. We're praying for you as well. I know that many of you have actually um, get kind of dealing with sickness as well. And then there's all the things around kind of a transition into a new year. For some of us, that's exciting. For some of us, that brings a lot of anxiety. And so I hope that you experience peace this week. Um, actually, the Psalm that we're gonna read was called by Spurgeon, the crown jewel of peace of all the Psalms. And so I hope today that you experience that as we share about it. But I want to give you a couple of announcements first. The first one is originally today we were going to be sharing about racial reconciliation as one of our POTS, Prayers of the Seasons. We're going to push that back a few weeks um, so that we can have more people present in the body as we discuss it and break it down. And also last week, Mariah was actually going to preach. She was very excited to had her message ready, but actually got COVID and needed to um, just get better. And so she'll be preaching next week as we go towards trying to have a back in-person service uh, if, if we can. And so we think we can. We're going to work towards it. Our staff will be healthy at that point, hopefully, and so will you, and we'll do our best to be socially distanced and safe. But until then, um, I wanted to share with you a few things about what God is doing in my heart and what I sense he's leading our body into this year, or the whole body in general, uh, worldwide, which is um, the idea and the opportunity that the body of Christ is being invited into a deeper place with the Father. And so less breadth and more depth. And I think we experienced that last year. One of my favorite years to pastor, even though it was a pandemic, we experienced the depth of God. And I know that he wants to continue to build on that because that's what he does. He's, it's a lifetime. And in the church's span of a life and in your span of a life, he's continually forming and traveling inward to form us from the inside out. And so I know that that's coming next year. One of the passages for me that seems to jump off the page so far is Acts 2, 42 through 47. We've all heard this passage many, many times. Um, it's almost a little bit of a pipe dream to want that for modern day American church, being that it was first century uh, Judea. And I think I don't expect that, but I, I love what was happening in this passage with the community together, all in one accord, seeking, and no one had anything in need. Um, feels very idealistic, but I sense that God's leading us into that, and I'm excited to see what he does in it in the, in the future. And so as we step over into this new year, we're two days in, I think. It's the second. Right now, it's the second. We're at a threshold, and at a threshold, you're kind of seeing what was behind you and moving what was before 
to what's before you. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And I think one of the things that instantly jumps off the page for me is I really want this to be a good year. And I think if you look online or if you have Twitter, this is the kind of conversation happening is, thank God we're stepping out of 2021, which was, of course, a terrible year on top of a terrible year. And so it makes me wonder and ask the question that I think I want us to interact with today, what makes for a good year? What would make 22 a good year? What made 21 a bad year or a good year for some of us? What are the ways in which we look at it, which we say, because of this, this year was bad? And I think the, the psalm that we're going to read today speaks to that. And, and hopefully for us, we can lean into the idea that 2022 is going to happen and there are going to be things that happen within that year that wouldn't be on our objectives for the year, but there's a way to live into whatever year may come and a way to look back at the years we've just traveled through where we actually see and sense the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, which is how I think he's asking the Christian community to be formed in the years to come, a deeper community that's not situational or if all of my prayer requests are answered, but one that trusts deeper and broader than just physical acts of God's goodness, that trusts God even when there's a pandemic, and sees that even when there's a pandemic, things were formed that wouldn't have been formed otherwise. And so, as we read this psalm today, you can open at your home, in your car, you can listen, um, wherever you are. This is Psalm 84, and this is our psalm for the day. And it says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Happy are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Beka, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, he who bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. So, Father, we, we thank you for the words of the psalmist today. We thank you that in this first week of January, we have the opportunity to lean into our appetites, and we have the opportunity to reflect on what it is that we desire deeply. And we also have the opportunity to follow the trail that you leave for us back to a place of wholeness and health where you are restoring all things unto yourself, God your plan for this planet, our community, our families. 
We ask that you would lead us to the feet of Jesus, to be with Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to follow you, Jesus, all year long. In your name we pray, amen. A couple of quick notes about this text that are a little bit interesting to me. The first is, this is a a psalm for the sons of Korah. And we actually had this discussion in our Zoom group, but who is Korah and who are the sons of Korah? Well, so Korah, if you remember, was a priest who actually led 250 of the leaders against Moses. And so God had to deal with that group of people and the sons of Korah, because of the way that they postured their heart, were not excluded, but given mercy and continued to be invited into the temple, into that rite. And so they have this stance with the Psalms of having a generation before them that didn't honor God in the way that was beneficial. They were able to see this and reframe it and then step into that, not carrying the baggage of their ancestry or their lineage, but to actually pave a new path. And they now are people who deeply value temple worship and the worship of God together. And they value the temple, but they value the God of the temple. They gather around this and they long for it. And so the psalmist begins, it's kind of a diverse psalm. It has a lot in it. It's got a song of Zion. It's got lament. It's got hymn. It's got pretty much all of it. And actually Spurgeon calls this, like I said a minute ago, the pearl of all the psalms for the psalm of peace. And there's words given right off the bat to describe the appetite that this psalmist has for God. And for me, there are ways that I relate to this and understand it and that I'm fond of. I I desire and want to be in the house of God. That's what I do. I'm a pastor and want to do that. But I understand that many people struggle with just this one idea. The entry to this psalm is recognizing how much the psalmist hungers, an appetite, longs for to be in the presence of God's temple because in the temple are the worshipers of God, worshiping God, desiring that. And so I understand as we approach this new year that many people in my life don't desire the courts of God, the church of God, the people within the church. But I would say just right off the bat that we have the opportunity this year to maybe reframe what it is that we focus on. We can spend our year talking about the things that need to be reformed, and they do, and we should. But we can also lean into the things and the goodness of God in a way that draws attention to the goodness of God. Not just the reform, which needs to happen, but also God is still good right? Like the appetite that this psalmist have, if that not, is not where I am, my prayer can be, God, that you would make that be my actual heart. I don't need to feel shame about it. What is it that's keeping me from desiring to be in the courts of God with his people focused on God, in God's presence? Those are really worthwhile questions to navigate, to journal about, and to pray about, to have an interaction with your father about. Because I believe he He's speaking through this psalmist what it's like to experience the presence of God. Because this psalmist loves the temple of God because of the God of the temple. So this is something for us that we have the opportunity to begin to lean into. But I think at times we can, we can be reluctant, but I, wanna, I want you to notice 
one of the first lines of this is kind of peculiar. We didn't actually discuss this, but it talks about even the birds that are in the sanctuary, which is kind of, not, nobody in our group even mentioned that. And it's, it's so random and out of place. Why would somebody mention the sparrow or the, or the swallow? And I think it's interesting at times when we do feel distant from the body, the temple, when we're in a pandemic, that I even think that God gives us in some ways a trail or a breadcrumb trail back towards awe and wonder, right? For many of us, we don't experience the awe and wonder that's being talked about here, but we see in a small way something that's so significant that it could spark that in us. And we have the opportunity to notice, right? Because even a sparrow would have been considered a small and significant bird at this time. And a swallow would have been considered a restless bird. Both the restlessness and the insignificant small found a home and nested within the sanctuary, within the temple, near the altar of God. And it's as if, if the psalmist is saying, we'd be wise if we found a way to make our home in the presence of God. And he gives us a little breadcrumb. It might take noticing things that you wouldn't have noticed before. You might have had a view of the temple and which kept you. You might have been just focusing on the priests that are all over the news and sometimes in great ways and sometimes not in great ways. But God's like, no, I, I even take care of the birds. So there might be a little trail back into faith or faithfulness or hope or the kind of year that can be spent with God where he forms us that you wouldn't have expected. I can think of things just this year alone that I saw within our body. People stepping to the surface and stepping in and answering prayer. People showing up for other people. People showing up to our church that I never would have expected. Gifts being given within the body to the body. People being restored within the body, within our groups that we started. Seeing people that had stepped away from the faith begin to have faith again. Seeing people who were brokenhearted begin to find a home and friendship. Seeing lonely people find friendship. Seeing people who've began a process of deconstruction have it be led into reconstruction in the ways in God which God wants it. There's little ways in the temple in which God is always being faithful, right? And in every generation, the people of God have the opportunity to not be faithful. But God is always faithful. And even if it takes looking over at the corner of the sanctuary and seeing the birds nested and making their home in their restlessness and in their insignificance, that God even gives space for that. And so to me, as I step into this psalm, I think whatever reluctance I have to believe, there's also an avenue to travel of faith that God is saying, if you could just, if you could just give space to the possibility, what would a year look like if the year didn't form you, but you were formed by God throughout the year? That's, that's what I'm leaning into this year. And we'd be good to follow suit, I think, to set our nest in the presence of God. Because blessed are those whose home is the Lord. And yes, this is talking about the temple. And I could rabbit trail here because I have a love for the church that I don't see all over the place. I love being with the body. I love being in a location with the body. I do think the church is mobile and should be. The presence of God is not limited, but there's something significant about the gathering of the saints in a local church. Consistency, the rhythm of the story and the narrative of Jesus and the gospel continually being given to the people of God, being formed by God, being given to God, being formed by God, stepping in and serving with God, being in the community. But it's not just limited 
to the temple here. His desire for the temple is because he's experienced the presence of the living God in the temple. For us, it's Jesus that they looked forward to. We now look back and with, we have the presence of Jesus. And so the temple worship that we experience now is the worship around Jesus who is present. So this psalmist is saying, I love the temple because what the temple represents. It's the house and the place where the spirit of God resides. And that spirit of God is alive, right? Even for him who didn't have Jesus to frame it. There was a fondness towards it, right? That's such a gift to see historically throughout the generations, the fondness people had towards Jesus, which must have meant he was probably good, And as we see in Jesus in the Gospels, he is good. We see it through all four of the Gospels. God is good, and he shows us that through the person and work of Jesus, the incarnate Son of God that came to be with us. We see the story of Jesus, so we know he's good, but we live into that and experience it within the temple, temple worship, within community, right? But there are times, like with this psalmist, where the temple worship can't be experienced. And we are promised that he is with us even then. You can experience the presence of God, not in the temple. And that's something that is carried with us for the rest of our lives. Because even in the ab- absence of the temple, we can be ex- he can be experienced. And it gives this imagery of a road. And it, it's as if a man whose strength is God... It, is on those pilgrimages. And this was the thing that stuck out to me in our Alexio Divino was the heart are the highways. The heart is set on pilgrimage. And what it's saying is that for the person of God, the walk is the road, the walk. And the walk isn't necessarily the physical one into my job. It is that, but it's talking more about the walk of what's happening in our hearts. It's talking about formation. It's talking about the process of discipleship, and it's talking about the length of that. It's a lifetime of that. It's the idea that the presence of God and creating space for the presence of God is the road that I will be on forever, that that is what it is to be in the kingdom of God. And so it talks about how when 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 they're on this road, that on this road that's transformed from, from dryness to springs, it's transformed from the lack of water to the abundance of water, and it gives a picture of these valleys of weeping, which is actually what that could be translated to. The road of Baca, it could actually be translated to a road of weeping, which is talking about how in situations where people are going through things that aren't necessarily the blessings of God, that definitely don't feel like you're in the temple worshiping God in joy and ecstasy, that even in those places, even on that road, the experience with God turns those places into now springs and the abundance of water. And it talks about strength to strength. Whereas in a normal journey, sometime into the journey, we become tired, right? We become weary. We don't go from strength to strength. We go from strength to weakness to most certainly food and sleeping and then going away from the journey. I remember when I was 17, 18, I took time for a two-month trip to Utah where we traveled 200 miles across the desert 
and I didn't stay in a hotel the whole time. And the journey did not feel like I was getting stronger as I went. It felt like my body was weakening. I, I lost over 10 pounds. I slept on the ground. It didn't feel like strength to strength, and it definitely didn't feel like grace to grace or joy to joy. It felt like strong to weak and then in need. This journey is talking about on the road with Jesus, the heart that is on pilgrimage goes from strength to strength. So you actually do the opposite. You receive strength from God and then you get more strength as you go. You receive grace as you begin this journey inward in the heart and then you receive more grace. So it's as if the longer you go, the more of it you get instead of like we typically see, the longer you go, the less of it you get. This is what the journey with Christ is like. And those of us who are willing to step into those deeper places of formation and be settled and be present with ourselves and with God, those are the ones who experience this in the most helpful place. The most helpful place by far is in the community of God and the temple of God. But it's not limited to there. It can happen wherever you are. It can happen in a pandemic. It can happen in a Zoom. It can happen when you're lonely It can happen when you've been broken up with. It can happen after you've lost a loved one. It can happen after you get a raise. It can happen after you lose a job. It can happen after it feels like relationships are severed. The presence of God can be experienced by those who are his at any time, at any time. And so one of the last things that the the Psalm says is it's better to serve as a door holder in the house of God than to dwell in wicked and wickedness. And I, I think this is interesting for me because we've been talking about transitions or we've been talking about thresholds recently. And it gives the picture to us of someone who's saying, I would rather stand at the doorway. The temple's in there. The world is out there. I would rather stand there just seeing people come in experience this, mostly, most likely priests, and then seeing people go out after experience it, I would rather experience that, that, that kind of connection with God would be better than being all the way into dwelling in wickedness. And it gives a couple of examples, but I think specifically any home that's not God, any idol that we've decided to allow to run supreme or reign supreme. And, and I know these almost always appear to be the things that come first are fame, power, money, and those things for sure are true false idols. But I would like to call out some of the other ones that seem to reign supreme in my heart and maybe yours. And those things are things like anxiety and fear and shame and deciding to step into comparison and deciding to allow myself to to go down a dark hole because I would rather fixate on that than the possibility that God is still good even when those things seem to be true, right? So so I would rather stand at the doorway and see people experiencing what it feels like to be in the innermost courts with God in the presence of God, to see people praying, to see incense burning, to see the people of God around the courts excited to be there. I'd rather stand there than all the way in the safety of whatever else I've put in the place of God. Whether that's my own ideals about what I need to become, my own self-sufficiency in becoming it, whether that's money or specifically some type of 
some type of accolade that you could receive, any of these things, right? Like, I'd rather stand and just see that happening. I don't think that's necessarily what's happening, but there's something beautiful about someone who knows the courts and knows what it's like to serve in the courts. What would it be like to serve in the temple of God? To just open doors for people to say, I would love to see you cross this threshold. And I would love to see so many people in my life go from this to this, to be a door holder that says, welcome in here. And that for me would feel like an experience of such joy to see that. And I love that the imagery is there because sometimes you feel like you're here. Even in the body, sometimes you feel like you're seeing all these people do this and you're seeing all these people out here and you don't know what to do, but you're still blessed to be where you're at. And I think that's a word for our church. Honestly, I think that's a word for each of us that I do think we're gonna be able to experience the depth and heart of Jesus within the community, within the temple, to celebrate and praise and to see the joy of God, like in Zion, where the presence of God was paramount. Not just being with community, which is good, but the presence of God in Zion. Praise God. We are here with God. The presence is here. I believe we're gonna experience that, but I believe it's also a gift to stand at the doorway and invite people in and to hear the stories of those who have been in. That, to me, is unbelievably fabulous, and I would love it. But he ends with this kind of idea that seeking God is also like trust and patience. And I want to present that to you today before I, I have a few prayer ideas for us. When we go into a new year, we have a strong pursuit of different things. It's clear. A lot of it's physical, and a lot of us already have physical things set in place. We'd like to lose 30 and 30, maybe some of us. We'd like to have better reading habits. Maybe they're even spiritual, which is good. We'd like to lean into the year and to go after something, right? Let's, let's go after something. But, but a form of seeking that doesn't get enough credit is the kind of seeking that pushes pause on all the work of humanity and gives space for the creator when we're not doing anything, right? It's the reminder when I'm by a river that I had nothing to do with making the river beautiful and just seeing the river and its beauty continue forever for as long as I need to be there reminds me that God is all-powerful and I'm a human in need of an all-powerful God. And I won't just be able to to do it on my own this year. And so some of the best forms of seeking, some of the most vibrant, aggressive forms of seeking are the kinds that don't do anything but sit in the presence of God, that push pause. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to not have any resolutions except for pushing pause and waiting and attending to the presence of God. Maybe that could become your mantra for January, to be with you, Jesus, is all I desire. Maybe your mantra could be like this psalmist who says, my soul longs, my soul longs deeply how lovely is your presence. Another form, another way of saying it in another translation is how, how beloved is your presence, which I love because that's also what we're called, his beloved. What if January and February and March and April and May and June and July and August and September and October and November and December are all 
about attending to the presence of God and trusting that the presence of God is better at forming than we are and going from exterior formation to interior journey or pilgrimage where we get a sense as we travel all year, I'm actually becoming stronger this year. I might not be doing as much, but I'm, I'm regenerated almost. I'm replenished in ways I've never been. Maybe if you have the things right now that you know that you're, you're going after that you know are not gonna bring it, but they're just gonna make you feel like because I'm doing something, maybe you can just settle with yourself to not accomplish all of that just yet. Maybe you can go away for a weekend, maybe you can't. Maybe you can go away for a night, maybe you can't. Maybe you can create space for one hour and in the one hour you sit with God and you make yourself available to his presence. And maybe then you start to see the breadcrumb trail. You start to notice the birds that are nesting in the house of God, that are nesting even in restlessness, even in insignificance in the house of God. Maybe you recognize that that same God has been wooing you all along, and maybe because you've stopped the frantic rat race, you can begin to attend to the desires within you that are truly there, not just of the flesh, but of the spirit, where God is forming and will continue to form. And so today, I'm gonna gonna offer you three things, and then I'm gonna close. I would ask that God allow you to see the breadcrumb trail. For those in faithlessness, for those deconstructing, for those who have every reason to see someone or something that displeases you and makes you gag almost and step away from the body, notice the faithfulness of God that even even in those scenarios, he's still present. He's still there. There's a trail. My prayer is that you would create space to notice things that you maybe didn't used to, how beautiful a tree is, how fun a conversation is with somebody. Maybe he can reframe the way church feels for you in this year, that you enjoy being with just a collection of people instead of going after a big thing for our city. You can sit with your neighbor and learn their story and share your story and attend to the doorway. Maybe he's given space this year to reframe, but he'll start it small and singular enough for you to notice so that wonder and awe can be restored. I love the worship of God in community, in the temple. To me, it's wondrous, it's crazy, it's full, it's vibrant. I love to see people express. I think that's a benefit. The sons of Korah express because their generation before was taken out because of bad decisions and they've been given the grace and the space to enter into that and they're taking full advantage of it. They're worshipers. I love seeing worshipers. I love seeing people who are deeply interacting with the word of God because it's alive and they can tell it's forming them. I love these new ways God's always surprising us into his presence, surprised by the love of God, right? I love the fondness I see in this psalm because it's something I desire more and more of. If I have the fondness of Jesus in the way that I think of him, then of course people will want that. But it won't even be about, I want people to want it. It will just be, oh, I want them to feel and experience it. It's a difference when I love something I know I want it. So I, I would ask you the second question. If the appetite for you maybe isn't what the psalmist is, your appetites can very much lead you to what you're wanting. And, and that's not an indictment. It's just a road. What is your appetite for? Can you honestly sit with yourself and clearly label it and have a conversation with God about it? God, I desire this 
so deeply today. That's a beautiful way to start a conversation with Jesus. You know, when he meets his disciples, we've talked about this, he's always asking, what is it that they want? He starts with their desires and then he meets them in that because that's a great place. People are already in their desires and then he begins to reform those things to actually be fruitful in their lives and for others. Next, I want, you, I want to ask you to treat the year of 22 like a pilgrimage to abide in God and not the world. I, I don't have much more on that than that, but a pilgrimage to abide in God and not in the world. To be in the world, not of it, to not feel that what we receive in the temple is to take us out, but what we receive in the temple is to abide in God so that then we can be given out. And then next, I want to challenge myself, the staff of River City, and pray prophetically for any leadership of any church that I'm aware of, that we would create space in the temple or for us in our churches for people to experience the presence of God. The temple should be about the presence of God, not just discussion about the presence of God. I don't assume that I can tell you exactly how to do that, but I know that it's my job and my role and our staff's role to help create a space for people to experience the presence of the living God, and then for the people of our churches in our city, in our nation, and here, that we would come to the assembly desiring the presence of God. Because if the leadership desires to create spaces and desires God, and the people coming desire God and desire to be in the presence of God, I just kind of think that's a good thing. So my prayer for you is that this year we would make an agreement that we would experience the presence of God. And we wouldn't decide what it does or doesn't look like. We would just go after it together. We want to abide in you, Jesus, and we know we trust you with all the rest. And then lastly, and this is the last thing, um, and this is kind of a side note to the, to the message I just kind of shared with you. I want to ask you specifically, if you're one of the people who have listened to this podcast this week, to pray about somebody with, within our body, if you're a part of River City within our body, to either actually stop after this and specifically pray for that one person. Pray and ask God, who, who are you trying to highlight for me? And then possibly reach out to that person, call them, pray for them, encourage them. It could just be the very connection someone's needed in a really dark season. And that's what happens within the body of Christ when we are submitted to the Father. In our case, in our scenario, Jesus, the Christ, when we trust that God is living and is working and moving and, and speaking a word to us specifically, that he will also be in thought about the others within the body and care for them. And he will actually use the people in the body, not just the leadership, to love the people in the body. And it could be the very thing that that person's been praying for. So I'm challenging you, River City people and family and friends, pray as you've heard this, whether it's now Monday, Tuesday, or Friday. Who is someone, God, you're asking, you're highlighting in my heart for me to really lean in for and intercede right now and start with prayer, intercede for them in a way that says, I trust you more than any physical thing I can do, but then don't end with prayer. God, now what do I do as a person of prayer? Make, make the prayers of the people the people of the prayer. How do I then do this? And let God just be creative, but encourage someone and trust that God wants to encourage you as well. 
I am literally unbelievably thankful for our entire body. I'm so thankful I saw your faces. For those of you who are there this morning, I'm so excited to meet back with you. I am excited about this year, and I trust that God is going to lead us so faithfully and so beautifully through another year. Praying for you today, and I'm going to close in prayer, and I love you guys. And so Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a shepherd under you, to really kind of be in a season where we get to pray and seek you about how to shepherd a people that are just on your heart and that you love, including us, the leadership here. I ask that you would help us to go in step with you this year, in step this week, from this conversation to Monday to Tuesday, to our conversations as a staff on how to navigate what it looks like to be a a leader within the body of Christ this year for this group, for our young adults, for our adults, for our city kids, for worship team, for the youth ministry. God, thank you so much for starting that up and getting it going for all of it, that we would navigate it in step as people who abide with you, who are fond of you. Let that be the fragrance that we give off in our city this year, that we are fond of Jesus, that we love to abide in him, and because of all of that, we look so much like him, and we offer that to people through our love and sacrifice and hospitality. Bless each person on January 2nd throughout this whole year. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Love you guys. See you soon. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.